And this is five days before his death. He comes in, the tr in triumph. The Passover was on the 14th day of the month, and this was the 10th. On which day the law appointed that a Paschal lamb should be taken up and set apart for that service. So not only is this part of the triumph of the victory of Jesus, this lines up with tradition and scripture where Jesus is really being offered up as a lamb. See, we're, we're following the victory and all the praising and the hosanna and the highest. But God doing this with Jesus this way is saying, here comes the Lamb of God that's going to take the sins of the world in five days. This is the day I'm presenting my son. So that my creature, mankind, and y'all know we're messed up without Jesus, can have victory over that devil. There's no advertisement. There's no announcement of any means. There's no notifications. There's no Twitter. No Facebook. No text mission. No flash mobs. But somehow, the multitudes knew to show up. Holy Spirit orchestrated the event. Verse 8 and 9 say there were multitudes of people. The Holy Spirit, when God has a plan, he will take care of it and he will set it up. You know, sometimes we go through a hard time or a trouble or a problem and we get all focused on how bad it is. But how do you know God's not setting you up for something? How do you know maybe God's not dealing with something in your life right now that he needs to set you up for? But the way you're going, you can't be where he needs to take you. So he's got to expose something or bring something to you to get you ready so he can set you up. So you can say, I got the victory. He's got a plan. He's going to set it up. But sometimes setbacks are a setup. Isn't that awesome? That you serve a God? That what the enemy wants to make a setback happen, God allows it because he knows that he's going to be able to set you up. Today is Palm Sunday, right? And so what is Palm Sunday? Palm Sunday is just the day when we, uh, when we come and we give out these palms for just because it's the thing to do, right? Is that why we do it? Why do we do it? Why, 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 why palms? Why don't we stand and hand roses out on Palm Sunday? Duh, Pastor, that's why it's called Palm Sunday, right? Because it's of palms. But palms are significant on this day for various reasons but let's start by turning our Bibles to Matthew 21 1 you see it's kind of like it's very odd you know Palm Sunday is a celebration and when they when they when Jesus came into Jerusalem it was a celebrant triumphant entry but it was really celebrating that he was gonna die 
Isn't that, you would say, my God, you got a warp sense of humor. You're throwing a party because your son's going to die. But he did get his recognition. But like my wife, I heard my wife share too, you know, we're, we're, we're like the, the people that were that day. That one day he's God, the next day he's not. They worshiped him. They praised him for a day. And, then, and they soon forgot. Next thing you know, Jesus is in the garden asking God if this could pass from, from him. And then the next day, they're crucifying him. You're shouting to crucify him. Matthew 21, verse 1 through 9. And let's try to read this together. It says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethpage, unto the Mount of Olives, they sent Jesus to disciples. Then sent Jesus to disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass, and it's in the word, we didn't swear, tied, and a colt with her, loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say unto thou that you shall say the Lord hath need of them and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying tell ye the daughter of Sion behold thy king cometh unto thee meek and sitting upon an ass and a colt the fall of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from trees, and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before, and that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let's read verse 9 again. And the multitudes that went before and that followed the cried saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. See, today is a day when we can proclaim victory. This is the one time in Jesus' life where he showed up in victory. And everybody there was praising him. You see, because the Israelites, the Jews, they were looking for a Messiah, but they weren't looking for the Messiah that God sent. They were looking for a Messiah to come and be like a warrior and take over from the Roman control and to come like that. That's not the kind of Messiah God sent. He sent a Messiah that was going to save mankind from their sin and not Israelites from their current situation. See, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for someone for a Messiah to come and to be to take over and take control from those who were oppressing them. That's not what God did. God sent his son to set us free from sin. So today we're proclaiming the victory because we have victory in Christ. See, our victory is not our own. Did any of you earn your victory? Not a single one of us. How many have had victory and lost it? You have victory in an area of your life and the next thing you know, you are stumbling and you fall again? Well, who do you go back to for the victory? Jesus. See, this, this Jesus coming in to Jerusalem is proclaiming that it's about to be over. And they're finally recognizing Jesus as God. That word, Hosanna, is, is, is means, oh, save us. When we say, Hosanna, Hosanna, in the highest, we're saying, save us. You're the highest. It's an exclamation of adoration. They were finally adoring Jesus. Now, you had his disciples, you had his followers, but they were adoring Jesus. It says, Hosanna in the highest. That's the supreme. 
That means the supreme God. They're calling Jesus the supreme God. Hosanna in the highest. But isn't it funny how less than a week later, they turn on him? How many times are we like that? We're our friends. How many times are we like that towards God? Huh? Let's be honest. Sometimes we fare with the friends with God. You know, with that, there's, that, there's a song, uh, I think it's by Toby Mac, and it says that people, uh, or, or is it by, um, no, it's by NF called O Lord. And he says sometimes people don't pray until they need something to pray for. Praying should be just talking to God. Shouldn't be when you need something. Shouldn't be when the lights get turned off. Shouldn't be when someone breaks your heart. Shouldn't be when you're having a problem. I mean, that's, those are great times to pray, but that should not be the only time you need to pray. Oh, Lord, I need some tickets to Disneyland. That shouldn't be the only time when you need something. Oh, Lord, please let this pass from me. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, oh. We like this one. We, oh, Lord, give me favor. We love that prayer. We're going out looking for something that give me favor. Lord, bless me. Lord, be with me. Lord, help me. But what about the times when there's nothing going on and you just say, Lord, I thank you for what you did for me. Amen. Lord, I love you. I need more of you today. Lord, I know, I know I keep asking you for stuff, but I just want more of you. Amen. And I'm telling you what, if you get more of him, you're going to need less of the stuff. Because, because the stuff just going to happen. All four gospels, they take notice of this passage. All four writers of all four gospels you will find that they wrote, they found this so significant that they put it in the God. First, imagine if you weren't disciples. And now all of a sudden, wow, they're praising my, hey, they're praising you, Jesus. They took notice. He's, and this is five days before his death. He comes in, the, in triumph. The Passover was on the 14th day of the month, and this was the 10th. On which day the law appointed that a Paschal lamb should be taken up and set apart for that service. So not only is this part of the triumph or the victory of Jesus, this lines up with tradition and scripture where Jesus is really being offered up as a lamb. See, we're, we're following the victory and all the praising and the hosanna and the highest. But God doing this with Jesus this way is saying, here comes the Lamb of God that's going to take the sins of the world in five days. This is the day I'm presenting my son. So that my creature, mankind, and y'all know we're messed up without Jesus, can have victory over that devil. See, Exodus 12, 3 says, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take unto them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for the house. Well, Jesus is of the Father's house. So the Father is presenting the lamb so that we can be free, given the lamb as a sacrifice so that we can say, I have the victory. See, we've got the victory in Jesus Christ. If you're stuck on stupid right now, some kind of addiction, you've got the victory in Jesus because Father God put Jesus on the back of a donkey and sent him in as a Paschal lamb. See, Christ is our Passover lamb. 
Now he's being shown publicly. Like the priests would do. They would show the lamb and then they would present the lamb as an offering. No trumpet sounded before him. No chariots, no big procession. It was much different. It's going to be much different in his return. Let's look at what his, and this is, I really want to bring to the point. I was going to save it till later, but let's bring it out now. The real entry I want to talk about partially through this today is the one that's coming. See, he's going to come. He's going to come back. First, there's going to be a rapture of the church. That's going to be a sign for the unbelievers. Get ready. Hell on earth is about to happen. Get ready. If you don't know Jesus, you better get rid now because you're going to have the opportunity to make a decision. But in Revelations 19, verse 11 through 15, it says, And, he, and I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he sitting on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head many crowns. And he had a name written on that one that knew and no one knew except himself. And he had been clothed in garment dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven followed him on a white horse clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a a double-edged sharp sword so that with it he should strike the nations and he will shepherd them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the wine of the anger and of the wrath of almighty God that's the Jesus that's coming back that's the one that people need to be afraid of that's the one that the believers need to cower in fear because the Bible says that every tongue shall every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For those of us who are rapture ready, we will be in that procession. We will be on the horses coming for the final battle. Because if you go on further, it says, and the nations of the world gather together to try to fight this battle, to take this king down. And they don't win. The devil's thrown into the lake of fire, and the new Jerusalem is planted, and we live on earth with righteousness prevailing. Come on, give them praise and say, I have the victory. Come on, say, I have the victory. Say it again. Say, I have, the I have the victory. See, that, we're going to one day live on this earth, the new Jerusalem. Righteousness is going to be the only thing that exists. Evil will be have wiped out and thrown into the lake of fire. And all those who fear, who denied and rejected God are going straight there too. But for those of us who are rapture ready, we're going to have a front row seat. But here you got Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Can you imagine being Jesus? Knowing? I'm sure he knew the scripture. I'm sure he knew it was. If he didn't know what God was doing, why was he in the garden asking to let it pass if it could be? He knew the plan. He said, but Lord, let your will be done. There was no trumpets. There was no chariots. No big procession. This is going to be a much different when he returns with the trumpet blasts. And he 
splits the eastern sky. He's on a white horse with the army of believers. Paul's probably going to be right up there in the front. Peter, I hope to be somewhere in the first ten rows. I don't want to be greedy and be right next to Jesus, but I want to be in that first bit of rows. Amen? There's no advertisement. There's no announcement of any means. There's no notifications. There's no Twitter. No Facebook. No text mission. No flash mobs. But somehow, the multitudes knew to show up. Holy Spirit orchestrated the event. Verse 8 and 9 say there were multitudes of people. The Holy Spirit, when God has a plan, he will take care of it and he will set it up. You know, sometimes we go through a hard time or a trouble or a problem and we get all focused on how bad it is. But how do you know God's not setting you up for something? I know maybe God's not dealing with something in your life right now that he needs to set you up for. But the way you're going, you can't be where he needs to take you. So he's got to expose something or bring something to you to get you ready so he can set you up. So you can say, I got the victory. He's got a plan. He's going to set it up. But sometimes setbacks are a setup. Isn't that awesome? That you serve a God? That what the enemy wants to make a setback happen, God allows it because he knows that he's going to be able to set you up. Like Peter when he was sifted like wheat. He knew that Peter was going to get 3,000 saved in his first sermon. He knew that after Peter went through the denial of Christ, he was going to be turned into a, such, such an anointed brother in God that he had a shadow healing people. And when he was crucified, he, was, he had crucified him. But do you know he didn't want to be crucified right side up? So he said, no, you crucify me upside down. So I'm not worried to be crucified the same way my Lord was crucified. I have the victory. This entry happened suddenly. It happened so suddenly that the multitude had to, they had to cut down branches on the spot. That's where we get the palms from. They cut down branches. But why would they cut down? First off, they're, they're waving them. Because palms is a symbol of victory. Right? Waving them. But then this God is a God of the suddenly. God usually doesn't announce when he's going to do something in your life. He just does it. Remember in the book of Acts, chapter 2, it says, And suddenly, there was a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. They were waiting. And there was 120 left, but I'm sure it started out with a lot bigger number. And then it got dwindled down because some, you know how some folk are, well, it didn't happen yet, I'm leaving. I know someone's going to be posting it on a watch party, so I'll just experience it when it happens instead of waiting. In Luke 2.13, another suddenly moment. And suddenly there was an eight with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven and, and as a must rushing wind in Acts 2. God is a God of the suddenly. God will appear in your situation suddenly. Amen. Suddenly. Amen. You're sitting in life right now and you, feel, and you they don't think God's moving in your life. Well, just wait. Suddenly he's going to come. And suddenly you'll be able to say, I have the victory. Victory is mine. 
In Matthew 21, 2, it says, go, he tells him, he says, go into the village against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. Then he says, don't worry about it. If somebody else, because you know, especially in today's day, hey, what are you doing? Don't worry, the Lord has need of it. Tell them the Lord has need of it. God knows what you need, and he knows where it is. You don't think God knows where your blessing is? You don't think God knows where your victory is? You don't think God knows what you need and where it is? God's got it all ready. He's just setting it up for you to take it. Sometimes we've got to go through some stretching, some moving, some pressing. I love New York-style pizza. But you know how New York-style pizza starts out as a lump of dough this big? And they have to meet it, and then they have to press it, they have to stretch it, they have to throw it. The right way is like this. That's the right way. Not rolling pin. They start out like that, but then they... But they... Then even, even then when... How many, anybody ever made pizza? You ever tried? Come on, I've, I have. You put it in the pan, and you stretch it, and stretches right back. But did you notice that each time you stretch it and it comes back, it doesn't come back all the way. So the more stretching, the more ready it is for all the good stuff like the sauce and all the different cheeses and the buffalo chicken and the meat and the Oh, my God, I'm getting hungry, praise God. And I know, Ray, if you're watching, stop thinking about Eddie and Sam's, praise God. But the stretching sets up for the rest of the blessing, all the toppings. So you may be going through some stretching today, but don't worry. Suddenly, it's going to be over, and your victory is going to come riding through. And it's not going to be on a donkey this time. It's going to be on a horse. God knows what you need and where it is. And no one, I said no one, can get in the way. If God has a plan and a purpose for your life, can't nobody, can't no devil, can nothing stop what God has in plan. Do you think the devil wanted this triumphant entry to happen? Although he was a little deceived, he thought that killing Jesus was going to work. But ha, I don't know, my God rose again on the third day, which we will celebrate next Sunday. But does it, he's being a lamb, offered up as a sacrifice. See, can't no devil in hell change it? Can't no devil in hell stop what God's got going on in your life? So don't look at things as being, you know, I'm being held back. Look at this, no, hey, I'm being set up. How many like, I don't, you don't like being set up in the negative, but we're being set up in the positive. God has something up his sleeve for you. Mules were used in that time for country and travel. Horses, especially white horses, were kept only by great men and for war. So you would think that if God's going to be represented. Now, you would think that if God was going to present his ultimate, holy, sacrificial lamb, he would have put it on a beautiful white horse like royalty. But no! He put it on the back of a mule. See, Jesus could have rode it on a horse, a chariot, and even been escorted by angels. But the prophecy. See, God is all about fulfilling his word. God's not about what man thinks should happen. 
It's about fulfilling his word. And his word in Zechariah 9, 9 said he would ride in a lowly, meek, and on an ass. His humility would fulfill the will of the Father. See, this is all about the will of the Father. See, God might have some things going on in your life because it's his will he's trying to accomplish in your life. So he's allowing these things to happen because he's setting you up to fulfill his will in your life. See, you may be going through a situation, and it may be hell on earth right now. But when you've got the victory, and his will has been fulfilled in your life, you will be able to help someone else who's going through the same problem that you're going through. And you can turn around and tell them, I have the victory. Victory is mine. Matthew 21, 8 said, A very great multitude spread their garments in the way. First off, garments represent who you are. Who you were back then and now, I mean, how many, if somebody just rolled up behind you with flashing lights and didn't have a uniform or a badge, would you pay them any mind? You'd be like, you ain't no cop. Cops have uniforms. Security guards have uniforms. Doctors wear white coats. You ever go to a hospital or a doctor's office and see all these rainbows of scrubs? Well, some places the scrubs actually have levels of what they are. Like I walk in a lot of places, I wear black scrubs because I like black. And Rev Kev looks good in white. <laughs> but when I walk around some places, like I remember one time I went to the Brandon ER because somebody that we knew had been just rushed there. So I went up to the thing to try to get a visitor. And as soon as they saw the black scrubs, they go, like, oh, no, doc, just go in and swipe your badge. I'm like, oh, can I borrow yours? <laughs> But doctors all have white coats. You walk into the ER and you see all the different people running around, but the one who's going to come in and talk to you that's the doc got a white coat on. See, garments represent who you are. A lot of places have uniforms. You go to work, you got a uniform. Here, garments definitely, they represented who these people were, and they were taking off their garments and laying them down on the ground before the mule that Jesus was on would come touch that ground. They were taken off. They would cast them at the feet of Jesus. They did this so that not even the feet of the mule he was on would touch the ground. There was such a recognition of how holy Jesus was in this moment that even bystanders didn't want... Not, Jesus was on a, on a donkey. They didn't even want the donkey. And see, God, this is the Holy Spirit now. Holy Spirit saying, this is my Holy Son. This is the Son of God being presented as a lamb. He is so holy, I don't even want the mule's feet to touch the ground. That is how much the Holy Ghost can orchestrate something in your life. He was telling strangers, lay down branches, take off the garment that represents who you are, and lay it down at the feet of the mule that's carrying the Savior of the world. And then goes, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Oh, save us, almighty God. Oh, save us, almighty God. Come on, give him praise. We've got the victory in Jesus. See, we need to take off the garment of who we think we are. A lot of us walk around life thinking that we're something special. And not one of us any more special than the other. No matter what your title is, no matter what the car is you drive, no matter the houses you live in. In God's eyes, we're all important to Him. And I would even sometimes think that, think that even the, the ones that need Him more would get a little more, not that they're more important, but more of His focus to try to help them. And that's where we come in. When people get put in our path, how do we treat them? Do we show them 
that we were that we love this Jesus like he's our God and that we love him and we love all his creation or do we just think that yeah you know what well I ain't got time for you nah everybody not everybody that holds a sign up is hungry you know we all think that oh I'm not giving you money to go buy drugs now I'm not saying you give money to everybody but let the Holy Spirit lead you because not everybody is legit but they're all God's children so if you're not going to bless them with finances hit them off with a prayer bring them before the Father and say Lord I, I don't know what that person's need is I don't know what has caused them to be on this corner but please Lord bless them and help them put somebody or something in their path so they don't have to be on this corner begging and then if you feel in your spirit to dig deep and give them a 20, that's the spirit of God telling you that you are my, my vessel to help for that person. But rather just going, ah, nah, not today. And don't, and don't pray for them. We need to pray for people like that. All the people that come through this property, we need to be praying for them. The devil has us bamboozled. He has us fooled into believing that we are and believing his lies. Jesus has the victory in people. He has the victory in your life. The devil's job is to paint a picture that you have no hope. That you have no future. That there's no cure for your sicknesses. There's no cure for whatever your hang-up is. That you're stuck with it. Jesus says, no. I came in on Palm Sunday and was presented before the world as a sacrificial lamb so that you can be free from that devil, from those sicknesses. And you can say that I have the victory. Garments were worn to represent sicknesses. I would love to find out. But if garments represented sicknesses, I wonder how many people got healed that took off their garment that represented what sickness they had and laid it at the feet of Jesus and let that donkey walk all over that thing. I'll bet you people got healed just by taking off that garment because they recognized because you know you, they wore garments if you were a leper you wore a certain kind of garment you had to wear it over your head you had to go unclean 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 I like to know how many lepers said hey woof, bam wow look at me I'm clean that's Jesus is a suddenly kind of God but they took the sickness and condition and they laid it down at the feet of Jesus. Remember blind Bartimaeus? Y'all know the story of blind Bartimaeus, right? For those who don't, it's found in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Now blind Bartimaeus was sitting by the side of the road. This is before this day. And he had heard that Jesus was coming. And he sat on the side of the road. Now Bartimaeus is Bar means of, and Timaeus is his father, and Timaeus was a blind beggar. So now Bartimaeus is second generation, maybe third generation, but I know as far back as his father was a blind beggar. Sounds like a generational curse to me. But Bartimaeus, sitting by the side of the road, and starts crying out to Jesus, son of David, son of, starts crying out to Jesus. Now the friends around him say, hush up. 
hush up. You know how our friends are. We're trying to cry out for our miracle, and they're saying, you ain't, come on, man. Stop, stop making such a fuss. Then Jesus says, hey, you, come here. Now all of a sudden, the friends want to go with him. But what did Bartimaeus do? He took off his garment. He threw off the garment that represented blind beggar and ran to Jesus, and he got his sight. See, if you've got a sickness, stop wearing the label of the sickness. Throw it off and let Jesus heal you. If you've got a condition, physical, mental, emotional, throw it off at the feet of Jesus and let him give you the victory. And even when that situation starts to arise again, say, no, 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 no. I have the victory. Others cut down, verse 8, they cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. Palm branches are a symbol of victory and success. Jesus' path, now check this out. Jesus' path to the cross, the beginning of his road to the cross, was covered in symbols of victory and people laying down what they represented. See, Jesus' ride into Jerusalem the ground was covered with success and victory. And people were waving symbols of success and victory. So when we have a palm on Sunday and we wave it highly, we're not just coming in and going, oh, it's Sunday, I'm coming to church, and we're going to wave my palm. You're saying, hey, devil, I have the victory. Not today, Satan. Hallelujah. I have the victory. I have favor. I have the victory. Hallelujah. So throw down your garments of your situation and cover them with the victory that Jesus provided on the cross. See, we have a banner of victory. We wave the banner of victory. Jesus Christ won for us that when he died on the cross at Calvary and he rose here. It's not the dying that's significant. It's the rising again. Because you remember, Christianity in a nutshell began in an empty womb, a virgin womb, where there was no life and no human interaction, and it ends with an empty tomb. See, God took where there was no life and gave it life, and where God was supposed to be death, he gave it life. That's a great God. I love my God. See, I had the victory. Say, I have the victory. And I'm closing, I'm closing. In, 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 in verse 21, 9, it says, And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Not only here is Jesus called Son of David, but Bartimaeus and two other blind men at a different time called him the Son of David. Hosanna in the highest. So today as we leave, we can proclaim that we have the victory. That victory is ours. But the only way we have victory is through Jesus Christ. Say this. Say, I have the victory. Victory is mine. And remember, we're going to have the ultimate victory.
after the rapture and after the tribulation, which if you're a born-again believer now and you continue your relationship towards Jesus and get closer and closer to Jesus, when the rapture comes and you go meet him in the clouds, you will be watching the tribulation like it's on IMAX at the Regency. You will have surround sound seats and be like, thank God I missed that. And then, after seven years of the tribulation, the trumpet's going to sound. Jesus is going to bust through the eastern sky on his horse with all of us believers following to go fight the final battle against wickedness. And you know, wickedness knows. Wickedness is trying to raise its ugly head. It's trying to get, it's trying to get it done before the rapture. It's trying to get as many people under its covering and under its power. And it's our job to wave the banner of victory and say, I have the victory that's been provided by Christ. And then tell people, you can have it too. You can have the victory. And it, all it takes is giving your life to Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we leave today, remember, you have the victory. Each and every one of you have the victory. God put his holy anointed son on a donkey and presented him to mankind as the sacrificial lamb so that he could be crucified and he could rise again so that we could say, I have the victory. Come on, say it with me. I have the victory. Come on, church. I have the victory. Come on, let Indonesia hear you. I have the victory. Let Alaska hear you. I have the victory. Let Ellie's in Texas hear you. Give the Lord a hand, have a praise. Amen. Hallelujah. World Harvest Worship Center. Reaching our world, one life, one city, one nation at a time.